What's up guys, we're back on Skullora Dance Sport with another awesome video. We're here today actually at Ohio Star Ball in Columbus, Ohio. So let me tell you a little bit about Ohio Star Ball. Ohio Star... Good evening, sir. Hey, Andrea Zeramel. Is huh? this for the Scalora? Yes, Scalora Dance Sport. Scalora Dance Sport. Yes. Ah, it seems like I'm in the right place at the right time. I guess you are. Unbelievable. Well, since you're here, let's, let's take advantage of the moment. Sure. So, Andrea Zeramel. Yes. Grew up in Italy, born in Italy. Yes. Spectacular. So, why are you a dancer? What made you step into a studio? Whatever made me into a studio. Okay, so um, I started dancing when I was six years old. Um, it was a dream of my mom to start. My mom always wanted to dance and um, she actually had a small career as a ballerina in her life. But back in the days, um, you know, with the culture of the south of Italy, right after Second World War was very strict parent, uh, they didn't really want her to dance. Therefore, she went to school, to a very strict school, but because of that, she was never able to dance. Therefore, I believe she created this desire inside of her to be a dancer, and I guess that when I was born, she transmitted the passion to me. So at the age of five, she just brought me to a dance studio, and he said, let's learn this, and then I guess I never stopped since. Oh, all right. So. As you progress through your years of dancing, who did you train under? Well, my, my dance career has been interesting because I have been lucky enough to have some of the most amazing teachers of the world. Um, I was 16 years old when I started having lessons in England. Uh, just to name a few, I was um, a good, uh, one of my very good teachers was Marcus and Karen Hilton, Richard Gleave, Janet Gleave. Um, Len Armstrong, Bobber, Barbara Grover, Kenny Welsh with Marion, um, lots and lots of people. As far as, as, far as um, Italy, um, I trained with, I would say that we were very lucky because I was born in Italy, so my trainers were some of the top uh, trainers nowadays in the world, top to train couple in WDSF and WDC, people such as Giordano Vanone, Fabio Selmi, Mirko Gozzoli, um, Michele Bonsignori, uh, those are the people that actually grew up with. One of my main coach for my entire life has always been Erminio Stefano, who is actually now a resident of the United States of America. He's been kind of my mentor for many years, and uh, I'm very grateful, and I'm happy that I was lucky enough to be surrounded by an extremely high quality of teachers who allowed me to have a successful dance career. Being growing up in Italy and um, as a male dancer, did you ever deal with bullies? Um, bullies is in the. It wasn't. It wasn't really something, Alessandro, that was um, developed down in us because um, one of the good thing about ballroom dancing is I believe that ballroom dancing, um, ballroom dancing differentiate from other sports for many reasons. And one of the reasons is because there is a value attached to that uh, that teaches um, kids and adults and everything how to be, for instance, a gentleman as you're talking about the boy, and the lady as you're talking about the girl. Therefore, the environment the ballroom dancing creates is a very healthy environment, and it actually prevents scenes like bullism or bad mannerism or things like that. This is why I actually sustain and push ballroom dancing across 
the board also here in the United States I'm a strong supporter of ballroom dancing because I believe that in the past probably decade a lot of the good values that we were raised on back in our days thanks to our parents are getting lost with, with things like bullism and things you're saying that's why I think that ballroom dancing is a, an excellent vehicle to teach new generations correct values correct mannerism the treatment of a woman, the, the, the mannerism of a gentleman. So I was lucky enough that in my days, I didn't experience anything like that. That's good. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, Are you right? Are you no, yes, I'm okay. You need I'm some okay. water? No, no, okay? no, no, no. Water? No, you're good? You're good. Okay. I'm okay. We're good. Okay. Woo, <laughs> scare me. <laughs> so let's move into um, why you came to the US. What made you come to the United States of America? So I gotta tell you a funny story now. All right, let's okay. hear it. Let's okay, hear it. a funny story. When I was about, um, you know, four or five years old, I was, you know, started to talk at two, three years old, started to do the same sentence and stuff. And when you go to school, you start going to school, you kind of, kind of understand a little bit how the world works and everything. And I remember clearly, I was a kid, and I was about five years old, and my mother asked me a question, and she found the question extremely funny, by the way that I was answering. Her question was, like every mother, I guess, asked their children, what do you want to do when you grow up? Okay, I think that every mother has always asked her right. children, what, what do you want to do? Well, my answer was, at five years old, I want to become the United States of America president. <laughs> the president of the United States of America. And it's so funny because back in my days, I didn't even know what that meant. Just to say the sentence, I guess that I just like the sound of it. I was like a, a mouthful, the president of the United States of America. I sounded great. So I kind of always had a special feeling for this country. I, I adore, the, I'm always going to be an Italian until I die, so Italy in the heart. However, I believe that we do have the luck to live in the most amazing country in the world, which is the United States of America, the land of opportunities, the land of dreams. I always dream to be here, and I'm really thankful for everything that this country has gave me as an opportunity as a professional as a dancer so when i got the opportunity now eight years ago to move to the country um, i actually did and i don't I, I don't regret one day actually i wish i would have done it a little earlier spectacular yes so let's go into um becoming an adjudicator yes. why did you become an adjudicator and why did you become an adjudicator for the u.s if, if it is for the same reason why do I become an adjudicator? Well, I guess that as a dancer, we have a shelf life. We can dance to a very high level. I was, as I said, lucky enough to dance and be successful in my career when I was the, in, the, in the previous IDSF, which is now WDSF. Um, I was able to be two times world champion in WDSF in youth. And then I moved to the Amador, of course. Um, again, I was able to win and be a finalist at Blackpool International um, in Royal Alberton in London and all of these are back in the days where as you know as you're well aware of unfortunately there was no division through the Federation everybody was able to right. have the freedom of dancing whatever they wanted to dance so you get to a certain point in your life where once you reach your success in the amateur and then in the professional I guess that it's very important for people that have been as myself successful in their career that they jump into the new phase of their life which is adjudicating and teaching because I feel extremely passionate about the fact that we all should judge as a dancer I'm, I'm, I'm talking as dancers you you dancer yourself you want to be judged by people that are actually 
yes. very knowledgeable about what they're doing. It's happened, it's happened to me in the past and to, to everybody else, of course, that you dance a competition and sometimes you get judged for people that, yes, are knowledgeable, but maybe they're not knowledgeable in that particular style. And of course, there is a, you know, a limit. You can tell me, okay, I've been a world champion in Latin, so I can't judge ballroom. That's, that's perfectly fine. But we're also facing in America a situation with two different styles now, which is the American style. So we have the rhythm and the smooth, and the ballroom and the Latin. So sometimes the panel of adjudicators get mixed in such a way that we don't necessarily have experts all the time right. on the floor judging us. And I'm saying this only in a constructive way to, to try, hopefully, to find a way to fix these problems or these issues that we have. But um, the reason why, to answer your question, I decided to be an adjudicator is because this is, this is, I feel, is a duty that we all have as successful competitors to reach the point in our life to become adjudicators and bring our knowledge and our expertise on the floor to judge in the best accurate and knowledgeable way people like yourself and hardworking youth and junior couple and amateur and senior couples and everybody who's trying to be successful in this business deserve to be judged from people that are knowledgeable and they are successful or they've been successful at some point in their career. Okay. So let me ask you this question. As a USA Dance adjudicator, what are your emotions and feelings for the future of the USA Dance junior and youth competitors? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a million dollar question. That's a million dollar question. Oh, you are a million dollars. Now we're talking. Yes. <laughs> so, um, USA Dance is very dear to me. It's very dear to my heart and the, the cause that it stands for is very noble to me. It's noble because USA Dance represents an opportunity for athletes to become the actual realistic athletes and Olympic athletes of tomorrow. And as a part of an adjudicator, excuse me, as a part of an adjudicator and maybe, you know, further forward more into the management um, of this federation, I feel that it's our duty in our generation to provide and create a future for all of you guys. I believe that it's extremely important as a junior or a youth of a juvenile to see and to be able to see your future as an athlete in this federation, in what you do, ballroom dancing. And the thing that is really, really, really hard to me to, to accept sometimes is that ballroom dancing doesn't necessarily seem as a, a sport to a certain extent. I believe that we have a, a fantastic and amazing mix between art and athleticism. And again, as I said, I was lucky enough to be able to experience both back in my days. But if you realistically look at what it is, when you are there and you're dancing several rounds at Blackpool, you can't tell me that it doesn't require a mental preparation, a physical preparation, a training preparation in such a way that your, your body and your mind and your soul is trained to deliver a fantastic performance at 1 a.m. in the morning after seven rounds that you've been dancing under 300 couples. The same thing is for the German Open Championship, for the Russian Open, for the Asian Open. It's not important what federation controls what competition. What stands underneath the concept is the common denominator of the mix between the art of what we do and the athleticism of what we do. Therefore, I think whoever would disagree with me, and of course we are open to hear any opinion, 
but it's kind of a fool in not seeing that there is a perfect merge between these two aspects. Whether somebody wants to see more the athleticism, or somebody else wants, somebody else wants to <coughs> focus more on the art of it, there is a balance. There is an unprecedented balance between the two, and the two are inevitable. They have to coexist together. So to answer to your question, Alessandro, I strongly feel that it's, it's our duty as the Federation that today is in charge of children's future to build this Federation and the future for all of you guys in such a way where you can actually count on becoming one day an athlete and a professional and be put next to a Michael Phelps, which is a six or seven times gold medalist in swimming. I don't know why ballroom dancing cannot become as important as that. It's a humongous problem and project is it requires people with desire and vision. I think we have that and I would love to be a part of this development to provide the future for the children of this country. He's got my vote for president of the United States, guys. Just president for the US. So seems like you've always have um, a plan in your head. So let me ask you this question. What motivates you? What motivates you now? And what motivated you back when you were dancing? What, um, what, what, what motivated me where I was a dancer, Alessandro, is uh, the same thing that I believe uh, motivates kids like you, or junior younger than you, or youth, or juveniles, or even senior couple. First of all, there is an unprecedented love and passion for ballroom dancing. We walk on the floor and we want to win. The one thing that I actually missed a lot in nowadays is the actual competition. When people ask me, what is it you miss the most? To me, what I miss the most is the competition. I love sweating on the, the floor, adrenaline the adrenaline and fighting in a very healthy way against my rivals and show them that I'm better than myself a week ago. I've always been a very competitive guy. I've always had a very clear idea about what I want in my life. And when I was a competitor, the only thing I see is competition. There is no distraction. There is no going out with friends. There was nothing. I have actually sacrificed 90% of my childhood to become who I was able, very likely, to become. So that, that's always been my motivation. In, in whatever I do, I do things 100% or I don't do it at all. And that's how I was able to do what I did. That's as a, as a competitor. What motivates me now is very simple. What motivates me now is all of you guys. What motivates me is to see the junior, the youth, but more broadly, even the senior, I see, I see in you guys the future, but I also see the desire of, in a senior couple to be successful, not to be satisfied with what we're doing. We want to be better. We want to travel. We want to create this. We want to be good at what we do. So what motivates me is try to provide for all of you guys what needs to be done for all of us to move forward in the correct direction. I believe that to answer your question very quickly, my motivation, it's all of you guys. To provide for you what you deserve. All right. Moving on to the next topic. Let's talk about the history of your career a little bit. Sure. So everyone knows most of your titles are in standard. Yes. Did you ever dance Latin? Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. How good was your cha-cha in samba? Okay. <laughs> The, the, the Latin American is something that I actually feel absolutely 
interesting. And I'm gonna tell you another fun story. All right, let's hear it. When my friends back in the day used to tell me, Andrea, why do you want to do ballroom in Latin? I say, because I like to sit down with the cute little girl that's in Latin so I can watch them. Ah. See? So when you're a ballroom <laughs> dancer, then you can then once you're done, you can sit and then you, you can watch relax. the little, you can watch the little cute little girl that are dancing in Latin. I've always liked that. That's, that's of course my joke. But um, ci siamo capiti. Ci siamo capiti. Ci siamo capiti. But um, the real answer is, um, as as a child when I started dancing, I started dancing both actually, ballroom and Latin. And fun enough, I ended up about 13 years old. I finished third in the European Championship ten dance. All right. And the funny part about that is that I finished third because I won. The ballroom, the ballroom, and I finished last in the Latin <laughs> in the final because I was right. always a ballroom guy. So in the final, you know the, how the tendance works: you can win one and finish the last one six. As a result, you, you come third. So every tendance competition I would do, I would always finish third mathematically because I would always win the ballroom and finish last in the Latin. Right. Um, I get to the age of 16, 17, I was still dancing both, and then I won my first world title in the youth ballroom. And then at that point I felt like, okay, that's my, that's my passion, that's what I feel like my soul is going, and I continue only with ballroom. But I have to tell you, I am a fan of Latin music. When okay. I start the samba, I gotta start my shimmy because, okay. you know, I mean, you know. You know, I, love, I learned from you. So. I love Latin music, I love Latin music, I love Latin girls, I mean Latin couples, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Latin couples dancing and... Uh, Latin couples. But yes, I, I would say I'm a, I'm a ballroom guru, if you want to get it. I've, I've, I've considered myself more an expert in the ballroom for so long that that's what I would like to do. All yes. right. So let's talk about um, when you're on the floor as a couple, when it is okay to play bumper cards. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you exactly mean by bumper cards? So let's say um, there's maybe 30 couples on the floor mm -hmm. and there's no place to, to dance. Mm. You have to start playing bumper cards. Mm -hmm. When is it appropriate to do so and when not? My first answer would be never. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to give you this answer by two points of view. I'm going to give you this answer as a competitor myself. As a competitor, one of the skills that you're required to have is partnership skill, which is lead and follow. Floor. So the capacity of doing floor craft and master the floor craft of, across the floor is a very great skill that needs to be developed and there are specific right. practices that needs to be done. I remember practicing with my partner Letizia and having my teacher Joe putting a band-aid on her eyes and run the entire five dances with chairs randomly selected on the floor all the time and we were supposed to dance across the floor without, we were mandatory requested not to dance one single step of our routine. Wow. And that's how you develop your skill of doing floor craft or changing things like that. This is as a competitor. As an adjudicator, Alessandro, it's very important to know that, I remember this, and you can quote me on this, judges are always watching no matter what you do. They're not judging also when you do your feather step or your rumba walk or whatever you're doing. Judges are seeing the way that you treat your partner on the floor, off the floor, in between dances, in between rounds, when you're practicing, when you're walking with air across the door. We, we live in industry where we run into each other all the time. Sometimes you run into the judge at the bar. 
before or at the restaurant. And if you're having an argue with your partner, would you tell me that that one would not affect the way that the, the people will see you? It does, because we are humans, we are not computers, and we do get affected subconsciously by seeing certain scenes. And I totally remember my personal experience seeing somebody, it was a gentleman that was treating his woman not very nicely just outside the floor before he took his step on the, on the dance floor. And then as soon as he takes his step, all of a sudden, he put this mask on and everything was fine and it was right. in love. All of a sudden, everything you're creating is not true anymore. Because, you know, we know it's fake. Because 30 seconds ago, you were on, on deck and you were arguing with your partner in a way that is not really a mannerism of a gentleman and a woman, going back right. to the conversation we had before. Therefore, as a judge, I will tell you, always be aware that you're always judge and the way that you behave on or off the floor is very important including bumper scores because if you run if you run into somebody purposely people will see that especially judges audience and judges will see that if it's an accident we can also see that and the way that you're able to maneuver around couples is something that is usually very well appreciated by a good panel of adjudicators so yes try to avoid bumper scores all the time one way or another this brings me into this next question if a dancer is spectacular, one, one in a million, just winner every time. But we had a few of those in the history. Oh, just a few. You know. Just a few. Not many. Just a few of those. But he or she has horrible personality and a horrible person. Hmm. What would you say about that? Well, the answer to this question, Ale, is... My teacher used to tell me something, and I'm going to quote him in this. He always told me, and this is probably uh, a teaching point for all of us. My teacher used to tell me, Andrea, remember, if you are not a champion in life, you cannot become a champion on the dance floor. Wow. That's what he used to tell me. Therefore, I have been witnessing people that have become world champions and I can tell you that if the audience, the adjudicators and people around you don't like you as a person, they won't like you on the floor. I can name a few people. Um, the 10 times world champion Arunas Bizokas and Katyusha Demidova. Arunas is an example of a gentleman and mannerism all the time. Finalist and Blackboard are the same. Even if we talk about WDSF, the current, a very good friend of mine, world uh, professional division champion, Dimitri uh, and Olga, Dimitri Jarkov and Olga, uh, we've been friends for 20 years. We, we grew up together and uh, Dima is just a phenomenal guy. He's just, he's just somebody you want to be around all the time. And this is an example of people that are champions in life. Uh, my father, died three years ago and I remember that I was with Dima when his father passed a few years before mine and he was in tears and I was there for him and we were we've always been buddies and I I remember the moment and you see how genuinely good person he is when he was in tears we were talking about if you're listening to this brother I love you but um, I remember the moment very clearly that just shows you how good there are how much of good there is in these people no wonder they became with time world champion because then you keep working keep working because the point is this Alessandro when you are a good person a good value that you have you're humble 
And the number one thing you have as a champion is to be humble. If you're humble, then you're always going to treat your partner respectfully. You're always going to treat the people around you, the adjudicators, the audience. You're always going to be thankful in the way you bow to people, to truly believe, thank you guys, for taking your time to looking at me and applauding me. Right. Things like that. They, they become genuine. The smaller things. The smaller things matter. And people notice that. And that puts you every single day with character back into the studio one day after another one winning after the other humble 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 go there keep working you're creating your future as a champion so to answer to your question no i believe that the two things go together i've also seen and of course i'm not going to make any name the opposite happening people that were getting there and because of their personal way of being and people don't liking them started going down into the result if you ask me why, I don't know. But there is some kind of connection there right. in the two things. All right, so we have one last final question for Mr. Andrea here. As Italians, <coughs> excuse me, take that water now if you have it. Oh, yeah, me too. As Italians, we always have to finish our interviews off with um, Forza. Forza Italia. Forza Italia, eh? E Forza Juve. E Forza Juve. Sempre Forza Italia, Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Sempre. Forza Juve. Sempre Forza, Forza Juve. Juve. Ovunque, comunque, dovunque. Thank you, allora, guys. Allora, ragazzi, Scolore Dancesport, uh, subscribe, uh, link, comment, follow, bla 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 bla. Noi andiamo a cena con Riccardo Occhi. Buonasera. Ciao, Buonasera. ragazzi. Ciao. Avresti dovuto chiedergli, hai mai fatto il nome del Eh, With me, though. Oh, crap. Yeah.